Hey everybody out there in podcast land, this is your host, Severin Henderson, um, again, and we're here with another episode of Firecast. Um, This episode is actually a dual episode. The episode is also going to be on our, well, the original designated drinkers feed. Um, That's another Department 3C production as well as this one. And that's the show, if you haven't checked it out, that is the show that's dedicated to spirits. Uh, Well, not even just spirits. We we drink everything. We talk about um, drinking pop, um, soda, uh, malort, liqueurs, liquors, just everything. It has to do with consumption we talk about. We talk about the service industry. And the name of that podcast is The Original Designated Drinkers. And we just got on Apple. So shout out to our producers for getting that handled for us. Thank you very, very much. Um, but this episode, it, it dealt with more mental health issues. And if it has to do with mental health, then I like talking about it. So I told uh, the guest and Ambrosia, the other host, the main host of the show. I'm just the kind of follow-up guy. But I told them that I was going to take and put this episode on my podcast just to you know, have some additional content. They said they were both cool with that. So the episode, we talk about Eris, um, the restaurant, brewery, and um, cider. And we just have a good time. The episode is about imposter syndrome, mental health within the service industry. And if you like it, you can check us out at the original designated drinkers. As far as Firecast goes, if you have any information or anything that you want to give us, feedback that you want to tell us, if we good, if we bad, anything at all, our email address is info at department3c.com. You can check us out at www.department3c.com. That's the website where you can catch most of the blogs. Um, and you can connect with me through most social medias at Department 3C on the professional level. And on a personal level, you can connect with me at IMSEVY. That's at symbol I-A-M-S-E-V-Y. That's where... Most of my friends and family, they call me Sevy. You can call me Sevy too. I'm with it. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> anyway, offer us feedback if you have any. Connect with me on those levels, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for checking out the episode. Hello, everyone out there. This is Severin. And Ambrosia. And welcome back for the first episode of 2022. I almost called it 2023. <laughs> 2022 of the original Designated Drinkers. The podcast where we dive deep into drinking one libation at a time. See, switched it up. Let you do that part this time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today's podcast is brought to you with our guest, Michelle Foyk. So before we get to um, our super great in-depth conversation we're going to have about all the cider world's finest um we just want to say again this is our first episode of 2022 and we were unable to get to our regular studio so this is kind of an on the road production of the original designated drinker so if you hear a few extra sounds in there you hear cats running around and that's my turtle and 
Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Tur- turtles um, punching glass, all of that fun stuff. Then, then you know where we're coming from. You know what we're doing. So that is all. Just wanted to give a a quick what's the word? Um, rundown. No, not rundown. Not a warning. Preclaimer. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. There we go. There we go. Okay. So back to the podcast at hand. So like I said, we're on location doing our thing and we want to make sure as always we give you the best content that we can. So without further ado, Michelle, how are you? Hi guys. Welcome or welcome. I'm saying thank you for having me on your show. I'm very excited today. So thanks for taking out the time. Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. I mean, it's not just you know women international month or women's history month it is also time for michelle to have some fun with people she loves so Yay. here we go here we go i I'm, like this I'm, i like this new year's resolution yes i'm with that and, and like i was saying we, it's march and we're just now getting together to record the year's been going on for a while um covet restrictions are lifting slowly but surely um slowly but surely i feel like they've been lifted and gone yeah well <laughs> that's at least a, in my world no that's a great point because i was talking with a buddy over there you're like how do you feel that covet is just gone i said yeah you're right it is just gone like one day it was here next day it's like we don't care so <laughs> it's just I think I think two years going on the third year is something that went by so fast that we think it was something that just kind of came and went. But Mm -hmm. it didn't. It was two years of our lives that we had, you know, all these different restrictions and things we had to do, the mask, the vaccines and everything. But I know as science says, you know, once the once the, you know, um, once COVID actually started, like actually hitting everybody, but not making them sick enough to go to the hospital for mm-hmm. some cases, mm-hmm. it just became something a little bit more common. And I think once they said, okay, we're going to take the masks off and we're going to take away the vaccine cards, which I'm not going to get into that right oh, now because I had yeah. a lot of different reasons as myself, but then I had a lot of different reasons as a business. Yes. You know, so opinions about both of those directions with personal and business. But I, I, I tell you, I don't feel right now that anybody cares about the last three years no i I agree with you one thousand percent it's like like you said this we had a traumatic injury to happen to the entire globe and like you said we can get into all of that that's a whole different podcast so (laughs) speaking of business yes uh you have one don't you I do, I do. <laughs> I am one of the co-founders of Eris Brewery and Cider House. It yeah. is the first uh, woman-owned brewery and cider house in the state of Illinois. Okay, sweet. Yeah, we're very oh, excited we about it. Oh, got that from March. Yeah, we got yeah, Women's International. you got it right in there, see? <laughs> if you guys that. can't see this, but Ambrosia's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly, <laughs> right. Pointing to as well, she should. She's, she's awesome at getting us awesome guests. Oh, thank you. So tell us about the cider industry and your angle of it and from it and all that other fun stuff. Please. First, can you tell us about the cider that you brought us? Not to jump the gun, but uh, yeah. I'm super excited about this because this isn't one of your uh, year rounds. This is a, a one-off that you did? Yeah, this is a completely one-off. It's everything opposite of what I was just going to tell you my mission was for Eris because okay. <laughs> this is definitely a much more complex cider that we're going to be drinking right now. We had a good relationship and still do with CH Distillery. Okay. In Chicago and they as you might know already are now the creators and makers 
uh, the Jepson Malort liqueur. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We had a Malort dedication episode, so that makes a lot of sense. I'm with that. I also brought Malort to drink alongside of it. Why and I not? also love Malort. So it's one of my favorite little shots or drinks or whatever else you want to call it. Cordials or happiness, I suppose. Yes. I like Malort as well. And we have, a, like I said, we had a whole dedication episode to Malort. And then because of Ambrosia and understanding the complexities of it. And then sometimes I tell people, oh, I actually like Malort. You're lying. You, that's, that's not the case. I'm like, no, it's actually... I get Good. the same answer every time I say I like Malort. Everyone's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how can you drink that? It tastes, they, they come up with these crazy ideas of what it tastes like. I'm like, have you actually ever tasted it? Right. Like really yep. tasted it. It, it. it tastes like a flower pretty much to grapefruit me. Grapefruit pits, right? The grapefruit pit. Like, I, I agree with you. It's, I don't think it's as bad as everybody else claims it to be. But the Malort face is definitely a thing. It's so a I get thing. it. It's just the first time you've ever had anything crazy like that. I've seen a lot of people make that face when they take their first shot of anything. That, I always that capture that true. shot. <laughs> so, yeah, but because of our relationship with CH, we had this amazing two years in a row now. Cheers. Cheers. Where they've given us a barrel, and the first barrel had rum and then Malort because it's one of their experimental series. And then the second barrel this year was a bourbon Malort barrel. So we have our base cider that was put into that barrel for about, I would say about eight months, nine months almost. And then we pulled it out and we named it Alphal Ort. So that um, it was sold by the bottle for a while and now only at the pub. It's not something we sell out to the wholesaler or anything, but it's definitely a treat and fans really dig it. And even people that don't like Malort really like what the apple does in that barrel with Malort because it's just one of those nice compliments when you're adding grapefruit or adding any other kind of fruit to your apple, you know? So I really enjoy it. And it's much different than the rum Malort barrel. Mm -hmm. That was the aroma on that was so much more, um, ripened apple. Like it was going to be sweet caramel, but then when you tasted it, it was still as dry as it is that you're tasting it right now, along with that little Malort flavor profile of the grapefruit. This one, on the other hand, the aroma is not the same. The aroma is definitely more drier. Um, little bit of caramel maybe, but not as, not as that, that idea that I'm going to fool you, that this is going to be a sweet cider. It's definitely not. The no, aroma's apples, yeah. apple skins, grapefruit, and the flavor profile is very dry. Yep, you. That, that's what I was going to say. It, <laughs> it, it tastes like all of what you described to the T. Um, usually I read the bottle but this and describe the bottle for our listeners, but this one is pretty basic. It's um, the, the, the coolest part about it is the sticker on the bottle, the app. Say it one more time. Apfel. Affelort. Affelort. Okay. Affelort. Affelort. Cider aged in Malort barrels. So it 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 tastes like I said, like all of what you described. This is delicious to me. Um, and even for the person that necessarily does or doesn't like Malort, I think it'd be an interesting tasting profile for anyone trying to maybe try something different cider wise. So what are you, what are you tasting that stuff? So for me, um, I definitely in that back end get the malort, the malorty taste. I taste that, but like you said, it tastes real fresh. It tastes like um, 
I'm still not good enough to know which apples are which, but it tastes like a bite into a fresh apple that you'd like go out and pick off a tree, like the skin, the um, maybe a seed or two. Yeah, <laughs> a ripe there. apple rather than something that's ripened and ready to fall off the tree. Like this one still wants you to stay to on the tree. It. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you got to pick it. It's not. Yep. It's not one of the ones that you found on the ground. It looks good enough to harvest yeah yeah and and the same thing i feel like too is like also like the skin of the that same apple mm -hmm. is got that um not that there's a lot of tannin to it but it's got that like starchy kind of flavor profile on yeah. your tongue so i'm getting yeah. that from the bitterness of mm -hmm. the malort but in my mind i could be biting into one of those apples that were like oh what happened to this apple you know it's not ready yet let's put it back on the let's tree back, you know yeah picked it picked it too soon but that's what it that's what it tastes like so uh so I'm very excited to be drinking this cider um, with Michelle, and I do want to uh, touch on all of what's going on here for the Aris logo, and then we're going to dive into what we are actually here to talk about outside of the booze. Um, okay. So, if, Severin, if you want to sure. describe this logo. Absolutely. Um, I, You know what? I, when I was looking at the bottle, I was concentrating on the front, didn't even see the back. So, Aris, and we have an E with a... Well, I can't say north, south, east, west because it's going diagonal, but a bunch of arrows on the E, so that's pretty cool. E-R-I-S, Brewery and Cider House, and we have a woman with a feather necklace, possibly, with a ponytail, and she is looking very hard at what looks to be an apple with an acorn in the middle. Is that what that is? Very good. I mean, for someone that has a first glance at that look, you did very well. Very, very well. So, yes, the E with the three stars or with the three arrows is Eris is the goddess of chaos. Oh, okay. And a universal symbol for chaos is the chaotic star, which okay. is an eight-pointed star with arrows. Got it. So, unfortunately, we couldn't put four. I'd like to have, but only three fit on that E. So, that mm -hmm. came in for... Oh, no. We do have a fourth. I completely forgot. It is in the middle of the E. It's the middle of the E. I forgot yeah. about that. Yes. So, <laughs> thank clever. you. Well, I guess I was much cleverer before, before I remember. <laughs> um, yes. One of my really good friends, Hugo, uh, came up with this logo. Uh, it is... We wanted something masculine mm -hmm. as well as feminine. Because you can split apart Eris, if you ask me, into a brewery and into a cider house. There's two different things. Okay. Now, neither of them have to be one or the other. But I felt at the time, because we didn't want to go with the whole idea and marketing as we we're a woman-owned business. And I know that sounds silly, and it's kind of going to go into the reasoning of what we're going to be talking about later. But so I felt that we needed something more masculine, and I felt that we could get away with the actual logo that we wanted, which was more feminine. Okay. So the woman on the logo itself is the feminine part of it because we are what we are. We're a woman-owned business. Now, the apple and the hop, so it's a hop cone. A hop You're cone. very close okay. to an acorn that makes, I mean, not an acorn, but you said pine cone, I think it I was. I said acorn. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a hop. Okay. So that oh, represents hops that. and beer and, <laughs> and apples and cider. And yes, Eris is definitely looking at that. She's literally mesmerizing the apple. I feel it more like she's controlling the apple rather than the apple is controlling her or controlling the idea of her looking at it. It's like, no, she's controlling that thing right now. Yeah, you know? it's pretty, yeah, because I can see that because it's floating and it's like she's making it float. So, yep. yeah, with that. Yep. So we're really excited to have that. Like I said, my friend Hugo uh, was drawing Maleficent. 
okay. at the bar that I was working at. And Katie and I have, we both have a lot of hair, you know, mm-hmm. and when we put it up on our heads, it was always like kind of like in a bun up on top. And so once he started stripping away Maleficent, it started to look more like something we wanted. And we love the idea of gods and goddesses. We love mythology. Eris worked out really well. Mm-hmm. Part of the marketing for Eris was also taking, uh, Eris was the goddess of chaos. She was not invited to a wedding where Athena, Hera, and Aphrodite were at. Mm-hmm. Then she got mad, so she created a golden apple with the name Khaleesi on it to the fairest, and she threw it into the wedding and just sat back and watched as the three goddesses and their egos got in the way, caused a fight, and then demanded that one of them be granted the apple. And of course, the one that got granted the apple was Aphrodite. Okay. Now, Aphrodite promised Paris who was the young human that was chosen to pick one of the uh, goddesses. And he was in love with Helena from Troy. So one mythology turned into a historic event is what Ares caused the Trojan War. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we said, hey, if we're making beer, there's 120 breweries in the city. Yeah. What can we do that's different? And we were able to create cider. We're the only ones left that can have a cider house, a brewery, and a full service bar with liquor. We're the last one. It's amazing. So, right. So we got granted all of our our licenses. And so we use the same thing. Eris came into the brewery world. She threw her apple in and said, I'm going to cause some chaos. And we got the last license left. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's sweet. (laughs) I um, have been listening to a book. Um, What's it called? It's a mythology book by, um, well, I can't remember who it's by, but um, Stephen Fry reads it. And so I like listen to it to go to sleep. And so I heard that story. Oh, really? Through osmosis in my dreams. Cause, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he like tells all these different um, mythology stories. And I, I got it off of Audible. And it's the book one in his series of all these books. And it just talks about like the beginning of the time. And time began from chaos. And talks about all the gods and uh, yeah. beating each other up and eating the kids and oh they they are so wacky very yes. wacky stories going on in the mythology it even gets into the titans a little bit it, it's 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 a it's an interesting book so thank you for telling the story better than i could have in any way <laughs> shape or form thank you that's well done uh so today um we michelle and i do a lot in cider as yeah yeah mm-hmm. a lot we represent cider we try to represent cider no matter who we represent we represent everybody when it comes to a whole of cider so yeah give us the apples yeah and uh so we were hanging out and uh planning chicago cider week which is going to be in june Woo-hoo. this year i'm so excited uh and uh we got on to a topic of conversation that i think and as sev has said many times in this podcast and uh, some of his others is that it, it all starts with a conversation and I wanted to talk today about imposter phenomenon phenomenon so I was reading a, I did a bunch of research on this <laughs> you <and> imagine that <laughs> oh my I know and, she made that pretty grand because I was like I thought it was a syndrome but no it's a phenomenon uh, yeah I thought it was so a syndrome so they're, they're saying too. to not call it the syndrome because having it being placed on the person isn't appropriate because it happens as a part of the system and the structure that we live in 
And it's not your personal problem. It's not my personal problem. It's a phenomenon that affects us is how they, they are changing that language on that. But Wow, uh, I need to go back to that therapist because I did not know that. Honestly, I didn't know that. I would have always thought it was my brain. No. That it was my own, my own, I can't even find the right word to explain to you that my, my, yeah, I, yeah, no, it's not just you. Turns out it's everybody. Uh, well, we can get into that, uh, that it isn't everybody, but, um, so imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon, when you feel like you're fooling people because you don't believe that the others believe you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for, uh, being vulnerable and having this conversation. Um, and, uh, Hopefully, people out there can listen to this and be inspired and know that they're, one, not alone, and two, that it's, it's not your brain that's malfunctioning. It's the system. Right. Um, yeah, this was a, at least a good three years of my life that um, I was wrapped around this idea that I wasn't good enough and that I was, I was fooling everybody in, in the process of doing it, plus myself. So Until it's... you make it yeah. kind of mindset. Yeah. It, it, it's a very strange phenomenon. It was also in a very... T- very dark point in my life when I was changing my life, my culture in a way that I had to reflect on it without letting the rest of the world know about it. Okay. So there's, so I made a choice without telling everybody why I made the choice and I chose to keep it private rather than actually um, explaining to people why I'm doing this. Because to me, it was my personal choice. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need everybody else to know about it. Mm-hmm. And but with that being said, I kept it hidden, and it was not easy to resolve the idea that maybe I'm just not good enough either. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's a build up after build up after build up, and then I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so how have you? How have you um, pushed through that? Do you, do you find it's gotten easier working through it or is it still just as hard as it was three years ago? No, it is way easier. And that is why I want to talk about it. And that's why I want people to know about it because it took therapy. It took um, a lot of chances of going out there and doing it and then talking myself off the ledge when I got home that I wasn't going to be found out. Mm. So for me, it was... It's, it's a chemical imbalance. It does have something to do with your mentality. I'm also, uh, I have depression, um, but I'm one of those depressed folks that doesn't just lie around the bed or, or um, finds a hole to dive into. That's not my depression. My depression is missing out, being somewhere. So for me, if I'm around a bunch of people, I am charged. I am going to be charged. I'm going to be up. I'm ready to go. Let's party. Let's do whatever. You know, like, oh, I'm around people. I'm very excited. This is so much fun. Mm -hmm. But when I got home and I was by myself and my brain kind of got to its own process of thinking all these things, I started losing my charge. And I would then contemplate the idea that, wow, I am this happy-go-lucky person in front of people. But when I go home, I'm not. You know, so I had a a bit of a difference on that end too, because depression is just, it's something that you have to either understand that you have or you don't. And it's either okay to go talk to a therapist or take medicine. Mm -hmm. And it was a long time before I realized it's okay to take medicine also on top of it. So I don't want to change the subject, but I, all these things impact, you know, imposter 
No, you're not changing Syndrome. the subject at all. I feel like it's Phenomenal. very on topic. Um, I don't want to sit around and disagree especially when like i'm sure it's science backed and all your super research has gone into it but i i i'm good at taking the blame and the brunt for a lot of things and maybe that's just me maybe that's just my thinking of it but i still think the syndrome with it being with the person is valid um i'm not understand it's a phenomenon in the world true but i feel like I still feel like the syndrome part is a valid explanation or definition of imposter stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we can say imposter syndrome. If it just, I mean, if the point is uh, how it makes us all feel rather than the terminology at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, you know what? And that's, that's a huge point too. Um, as far as the terminology, because you can sit around and argue about a word, what word means, where it came from and everything else. And, at the end of the day, is how you feel. Really, is just how you feel <laughs> about virtually everything. So, but I also feel like it's how I feel about myself. That's why I tend to agree because I feel that I thought it was something that I have done on my own. Well, with my mental, with my mental health. So I, I would love to hear a little bit more about why a phenomenon, and and hopefully maybe you can clear me up here because I would love to connect the dots because like that's another thing about talking about this to freely in front of people is that you learn different things and not until you learn those things can you connect dots and if they connect they connect if they don't they don't they that's don't, okay right. too but I think I understand the phenomenon theory I think I do and I'm just trying to put myself in that aspect of it if it actually was a phenomenon for me or a syndrome for me yeah I like that um so as far as the phenomenon goes you can be researched Cheers. Cheers. Um, it's been, there's, uh, the research that's being done is what they'll do is they'll take two groups of people and they'll give one group of people restraints and they'll give the second group of people no restraints. And the people with the restraints performed more poorly than the people uh, without them. And so like taking a test would be one of the examples on what they, um, they set up. And with the ones that were under this restraint was that they were told that this is the hardest test that they'll ever take and that everybody flunks it when they take it and mm -hmm. it's going to be really horrible. Mm -hmm. And then the other group, they didn't say that at all. The other group performed much higher on the test, whereas the group where they were told they were going to be set up to fail yeah. actually mm. failed. That happened to me in real life. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I, um, there was a test that I had to take and just flat out everybody says, yeah, you're not going to pass this test. Don't even worry about it because nobody passes the test on the first try. So uh, I didn't pass it on the first try. I didn't pass it on the second try. I didn't pass it on the third try. <laughs> um, was it because you got in your head? I got in my head. Well, the, the the thing is, I just thought like I'm not gonna pass this test the first time. So why even why even sweat it? And I saw somebody else. I don't want to say they weren't smart, but they went in and I'm not saying that. They, they, no, no, I'm just they, you, this they is... went in and took the test and passed it on the first try. No problem. No, no, nothing. Just easy breezy. Here we go. Pass this test first time. And it was at that point in my life. I said, I'm never listening to anyone tell me what I can and can't do on a test. 
I don't care if it's the bar exam mixed with the LSAT and the GMAT with a calculus test just for fun at the beginning. I'm not going to let somebody tell me that I'm not going to pass this test. If I fail it, that's fine. But I'm not letting somebody else's studying and brain cognition affect what I'm going to do on the, on any test anymore, ever. Yeah, and, and see, so this is what I mean by phenomenon. Yeah, no, that makes sense, but... I was just thinking of that also where I never thought anybody was telling me I was doing it wrong. I was telling myself I was doing it wrong. I would, I think I, I might've mentioned this, but I would walk into a room and I can bedazzle the room. Hey, Michelle's here. This is great. Hey guys, how are you doing? You know, I know everything about everyone. You know, hey, can you say a couple of words about, you know, marketing? Cause you used to be the marketing director of Goose Island over there, you know, back in the day. And I'm like, sure. And I go out there and I say these things and everyone's just listening to me. And I'm like, yeah, I got them wrapped around my finger. I get home and I'm like, oh, holy shit. One of those, one or two of those people are going to know I was just talking out of my ass Yeah, I, because I was it, talking out of my ass. Yeah. I, that was the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, I mean, and if you were to, Ask all those people the very next day. Nobody would have said that I said anything wrong. Everybody would have said that it was sounded great. It, I, we understood. I learned something from it. Not my head. Yeah, I get that. My head was totally. like, nope, nope. Now you're going to have to hide or you're just going to have to realize that people are going to be talking about you behind your back. Yep. And then what happens? My brain goes crazy again because God knows I don't want people talking about me behind my back. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like if I can't imagine if someone had a more severe case of this, how they would never want to walk out of their homes again. Right. Well, like you said, it goes along with the depression. It goes along with the thoughts in your head that aren't necessarily the case for the world to see. And it stinks and sucks to say, but people more times than not are more concerned with what they have going on to even think about what (laughs) you said, really. I mean, they listen to, oh, yeah, she seems like she knows what she's talking about. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, they think I'm full of crap and I am full of crap. And, oh, they really don't even care that much. And you care more about what you think they think than they think. (laughs) It's almost like you have an ego that's so big that you don't realize that you really don't. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Not enough people care about you to be like, oh my God, she's so lying out of her ass and I'm going to talk about her all week long. Like, (laughs) hello. But somewhere along the line, I ran into that and I thought I was bigger than I was a little bit, you know, but also not big enough to realize that like you're doing a good job. I just I just wrote a blog um, for a marketing, a content marketing and copywriting class that I'm trying to pass. It's another test that I'm trying to pass. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for I put up the first post and I failed it. I jumped a gun. I put it up. I thought it was good and it, grammatically it is good, but it wasn't good for copywriting what they were looking for. So I um. Took it again and got accepted. I reposted it. But inside of it, and I think the first one, not the second one, I have a line that my mother gave me a while ago. Those that, and I think I messed it, uh, I might mess it up, but I'm going to try and get it right. But those that mind don't matter. No, those that mind matter and those that matter don't mind. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I like that. 
back in the day when you used to be on Facebook all the time, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm old. Uh, I used to put that quote up. There was that quote and also another quote that I think it was from like Dr. Seuss or something like that, that I felt really mean something. And I think it's, is that a Dr. Seuss quote? I it just, might be. I don't know. I I'd know have to look mother. it up, but we'll I'm telling you that one. On yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, get we'll check it out. Check yeah. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, I think I love that quote because it's true. It, it is. It is so true. Yep. Because people who actually care about you and know about you, they, they you know, they be like, oh, it's whatever. It's cool. And then the people who are insignificant in the whole grand scheme of things, if they care too much, it's like, well, that's well, on you. Here's <laughs> my question is that what if, so in this scenario, you go up and you speak about marketing. Yeah. And you go home and you're like, shit, somebody's going to figure me out. I'm a bag of fool shit. And then you talk to somebody that was there in that room and they say, no, I, I'm also in marketing. Everything that you said was valid. You were correct. Um, is there any amount of convincing that can happen to, to alleviate that feeling of, of imposter syndrome? I believe so now, but back then, nope. No. Yes, right. I agree. No, back then, no. Yes. For those three years where my life was just everything in my brain and head, no. I mean, yes, it'd make me comfort at the time, but then I would just kind of like, it would fall out. It'd be like someone brought in uh, like a whisper in my brain and said, oh yeah, and it made me feel a little bit better. And then all of a sudden one day it just went out the ear and I, I'm like, ah, back to where I was. Yeah. I was. I know that question was to you. I was going to answer for you. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Okay. But uh, no, when, when they it is because when they say it to you, you, you think they're being nice. So right. it's like, oh, they're just trying to be nice, and but they. And then know. I don't want anyone coddling me either because I don't really want you to know that I did. Like I was worried about it, you know. So yeah, it's that twisted yeah. spiral of depression that you have. That and with the imposter, with the imposter idea of it all, because. Three years. That's I would say it was about three years. And to top it off, I added the alcohol. You know, so of course you spiral on top of that when you start adding alcohol to um to depress help yeah yep. to help alleviate the pain yeah. or help uh, make the night much more fun. It's a coping mechanism. Absolutely. Um, and it's not it's not the best coping coping mechanism. It's not a, it's not a positive coping mechanism. Cause I had, it's, it feels like I'm talking to myself, but <laughs> hi, welcome. <laughs> but it, it's, it's right. All, all too true. Uh, so a look, looks like a lot of the studies that were, do, uh, that are done and being done on it. And, um, there are, uh, some folks in this line of field, Kevin Coakley, um, and Rose Clance, if you want to look their studies up and their books on it, um, they're great resources. But they're finding that high-achieving people are more affected by the imposter syndrome. Uh, and they also haven't run too many studies on minorities versus majorities, which I'm really interested in, in wondering if it is something because of how you were raised in a minority, like being mm-hmm. raised as a woman. Yeah. Uh, how that can it uh, can affect it? But you guys all laughed when I said high achieving. Is that because this is the second time I've heard this? Yeah, you know. And then right away, that's a little of the syndrome coming out because I'm like <laughs> high achieving my ass. But <laughs> you know, I take a look at what Eris is. I mean, when we bought the building, we bought a four story building, a Masonic temple on 0.24 acres. Mm-hmm. Like who starts up? Their first business in 
2.5 acres, four-story tall building that's over 24,000 square feet. Right. But at the time, I, no qualms. Yep. I didn't even go, like, no imposter syndrome there. I just don't think there was a syndrome anything. Like, it was just like, <laughs> oh, this looks like fun. Let's do it. It's a challenge. You know, it wasn't until we opened the doors that I said, holy shit, what do we do? Because <laughs> now we got to operate it. And now we got to make money to cover the costs that we just had, you know? So... Yeah, I, I understand the high achieving. I think I do because there is a point where you want to challenge yourself for everything that you don't realize how far you're challenging yourself. You know what I'm saying? So high achieving, high anxiety, mm -hmm. <laughs> but in a good way, it does make sense. But I mean, if you didn't have all of us high achieving individuals, then we wouldn't have the great things and we wouldn't have the great place that is Eris. If, Absolutely. If you weren't. Yep. That. We wouldn't have Eris, and then I'm just even thinking as if I can go and be selfish, I wouldn't have had half of my bucket list taken care of by the time I was 32 years old. Well done. I know. Crazy. I don't even I, know if I have a bucket list. What? Maybe I should get one. You don't need one, but it's a bucket list. It's always just kind of fun. Like, has anybody asked you the one thing that you want to do before you die? Do you have something? No. No, nobody's asked me that. Never? Somebody's had to have asked you that. No. Okay, well, we're asking you now. <laughs> there we go right now. Give we're me two things you you'd like to do before you die. And it's not two things you'd like to do. If you knew you were going to pass away two days from now, what would you like to do? And don't worry about the time. Like, if you have to travel somewhere, you, we, we'll get to you there somehow. I'm going to have to, you're going to have to come back at the end of the episode. All right, I, all right. I, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about Nothing. It's just, yeah. I. I, all right, uh, think about it. Yeah, at the end of this cycle, at the end of this, this uh, we're going to do it. We're going to okay. ask you that question. All right. All right. Mine constantly yeah. evolves. Like, one time one day is one thing and then the next day is something totally different like i'll give you one right now these people are going to space like like it's nothing <laughs> yeah. okay yeah, and, there it is there's my bucket and list. that go that, that is like definitely on mine but and i don't know if i'll achieve it but i mean if william shatner is like next to 90 and he's going to space <laughs> i think they should let little sev go just uh, <laughs> just because i mean come on yeah. No, that's a great one. Like when I was younger, I wrote a report about Tasmania. And so when I was younger and people would ask me, what would you like to do before you die? I'm like, I'd like to go to Tasmania. And? I have. How I've been it? to Tasmania. I was there for two weeks. It was fantastic. Um, we, we, took a, we flew into Hobart. We stayed with a friend's friend. We had a house there. We ate fresh fish off the pier in Hobart. And then we did the entire island. We slept in a car one night. Um, I jumped out of a plane in New Zealand. Um, yeah, it, the things that I said on my bucket list was very small. It's not like something that I say, oh, my God, I have to do all these things. But just as a little kid, I remember telling yeah. everybody, I'm going to go to Tasmania. And I'm going to find the Tasmanian tiger. And I couldn't find that guy yet. Mm, there's still time. I still think he's out there, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so another question that I have. Um, so the fear of being a fraud hasn't prevented you from doing anything as far as I can see. Uh, and so is that fear of being a fraud uh, holding your potential or is it just something that you're beating yourself up with? Very good question. I think that I beat myself up with it. Um, I feel like that's the route I go because it's easier to beat yourself up rather than not make myself move. I don't know not I don't know how not to move, but sometimes I make decisions because other people are making them for me and instead of saying no, 
which is not the fraud part, but sometimes I get myself in situations that I don't want to be in and I should have just said no in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I go with people, you know, and I don't think of the consequences, nor do I think that it's ever going to be bad. But if you're talking about just the fraud aspect, it is me. It is solely me beating myself up on something that's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll give you a good example. You know what? Honestly, sales. Okay. So that is something that I'm supposed to be doing for Eris right now. That is my department. I am finding every which way to stay within the four walls of Eris rather than doing my full-time job in sales. Um, when I was working for Revolution, I was doing sales, but it came very easy. I had 50 accounts mm-hmm. and they were all because they called me mm-hmm. because they knew me from Goose Island and they knew that Revolution was the new new hottest thing and they wanted it. That speaks to my um, anxiety. I hate calling people. <laughs> I despise it. It, 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 it. it like gets me. I can do it if I have to do it and I'm actually decent at it, but. I just don't want to like, like you said, when you said people call you, yeah, you can call me and we can talk and do everything else. But if I have to call and initiate, oh, leave me alone. So, <laughs> yeah. So Goose Island and Revolution for those listeners out there that are not um, Chicago, Goose Island should probably be universal at this point, um, are uh, very big, important breweries here in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. And I was part of their their makeup. I was with Goose Island when um, there was still just my first interview was with John Hall, the owner. And the second interview was with Greg Call. So it was before they came corporate, before they turned around and then sold. Um, so I got the the first round of experience to be You're working directly with them. You're such a badass. It's so hard. If I didn't experience this imposter bullshit, I wouldn't understand how somebody that is so accomplished as you would feel like they're a fraud. But I understand because I also feel like I'm a fraud. I think it's just because so many things comes naturally to me, you know, and I dip my finger in everything. So I know just enough to play it off to everybody that I am an expert in certain areas. But when it comes down to being an expert in one area, I don't believe it because I just haven't sat down, studied it, or done something. You know, like maybe restaurants, but then I look at the food cost and the labor cost. I'm like, why the hell are these things going so crazy? Why can't I control it? You know, because of the system. So, so here's back to this this system metaphor here yeah. of um, not being an expert in one area. Like, who says what an expert is? Is it because you go to a Ivy League school and get a piece of paper that cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. I skipped that boat. Yeah. Like, so, like, who is saying what kind of expert you are? I don't have a degree in cider, but I know it pretty well. You you know who's saying, who's saying, who's the expert? You are. That's 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 who's saying it. So uh, that's the whole thing that I was gonna bring up with the whole imposter mess. Uh, that <laughs> there it is. I like it. I'm gonna use a different word every time, but that's that's what I was gonna say. These expectations and the reason that they say people that that are high achievers and everything, the reason they feel like this is because the expectations 
of what you build up in your own mind and what you who you think the expert is. So even if, like we said before, somebody comes to you and say, you did an excellent job and they really can mean that, be genuinely saying that to you. It's not up to your standard in your mind. It, it, it worked for them. It's cool for them, but it's not what I would want it to be. It's not what I imagined it, it would be like. I saw where I cut a corner here or I saw where I fudged a little bit there. If you were to do it A1 spot on, then maybe you would say, oh, yeah, I really knocked that out the park. But for the most part, you're making up the expert in your mind. So that's who says who the expert is, your own psyche then i get i personally get into the whole mind trap of uh having an inflated sense of self where uh if i'm calling myself the expert uh um we we i I have to do this all the time where they're like give me a bio like you're an expert in this and i'm like no i'm not i always deflect you saw me do it the other day absolutely um and deflection is my way of saying at least to myself that if I'm afraid that if I come off as being the expert and like I'm telling people that I'm the expert, that it's going to put even more pressure for me to perform even higher and I won't be able to fulfill that. Yes, but I've seen you run a room in the regards to cider. I've seen you. you. Oh, no, I know, but okay, let's go back to like glint cap. Yes. Okay. Doing the um, the cider uh, flaws and the correct flavor profiles and everything like that. The introduction to the judges. You ran that room. You walk and talk like you know everything, and that I would never have to worry about you like thinking opposite. So, the the cool part about you and I we're very similar when it comes to that per- that certain point, but you are also a badass and you also know a lot about the topics that you talk about, but yet we're having this conversation and yet you walked away from that thinking that what you weren't smart enough or you weren't the expert. I wasn't the that expert, you were the expert, but you were, everyone was looking at you and you answered their questions and you went and flew through it. I have seen this class taught by somebody else, not Charles, somebody else. And I was like, where the hell is Ambrosia? Because she could do <laughs> thousand time better job than this person like so you are an expert and but see this is the thing here we are two women that have gone all the way you know we've done really great things in our lives and we are experts at the things that we know about yet we still have to tell each other that we are experts because that imposter mess yes. <laughs> is still somewhere in our head and i don't think it's that Someone once told us that we're not experts. And I don't think it's that we're women either. I will not take that route. I will not go like, oh, it's because I'm a woman and I don't know enough. Like, no. I just think that there are different mental psyches out there. And I don't think enough men come out letting us know that they have these issues too. And I'm so glad that you talked about it because most of the time you won't hear men talk about it. No, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> it's it's hard to be vulnerable sometimes. I mean, even even that is is a difficult thing to do. So, uh, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it, right? But seeing a perfected version of what you're trying to accomplish is kind of where I see that this imposter mess is is getting me down. Uh, is that in my mind, like like Sev was saying, uh, it's internal, and I see this 
ultimate end all be all of what an expert would look like and I'm not that. So I feel that everybody else thinks that too. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's really just me. It is totally just you. It's totally just me. It's, yep. it's, it's where our brain malfunctions us. Mm. Uh, but for the listeners, back to Glint Cap, that is the Great Lakes International Cider and Perry Competition, which will be in May this year. And hopefully we'll do some on-the-road stuff with that one. Yeah, if you didn't know, uh, Ambrosia was the speaker and the head. What do you call yourself at the time? We were calling <laughs> It's not appropriate what we were actually calling that okay, well, title. Well, it's, um, do you want to put that out in the podcast? No. Or should we just hold off on that? We're okay, going to hold so off on that. We- uh, so my job is to train the judges uh to uh make the judges be on time um make the flow of the room go with judging and then if there's a dispute within the table of the judges then I make the final call that was my job yeah and if you're in the room with her you could tell like if you were not doing what she asked you to do you got that look that she (laughs) was like you don't want to go in a dark room with this woman because she was gonna hey it works we got it all done oh between you and me i thought it was great good cop bad cop also like uh guys time's up let's go i actually got someone commented back at me for something i'm like really you're gonna start something with me oh i won't mention the name on on this podcast right now but it was pretty funny they probably are not feeling any of this imposter mess (laughs) maybe afterwards the nerves (laughs) yeah hopefully um, so another thing that I wanted to talk about is um, the a topic of, of, of emotional goods, meaning um, that we have to deliver a lot of emotional goods in our, in our day-to-day. Uh, and there are days when you can't keep up that energy and you can't... Uh, bartending, for instance. I, bartending is constantly engaging and uh, making that person feel better and hospitality in general. Um, And there are some days when I'm just, I'm not there. I can't give any emotional because I don't even have it for myself. You mean you can't please everyone? (laughs) That's like, I don't know what that means. I thought I had to please everyone all the time. Right. And so I find myself when I can't deliver on that, on those emotional goods that I find myself like I'm being fake. Like people know if I give you a bartender laugh, I've gotten called out from many of my friends like that was a bartender laugh. You are not actually laughing. (laughs) And that fakeness just kind of amplifies my imposter mess of like, oh, they figured that out. If they can figure that out, then they can figure out all the rest of my fake in it till they make it kind of mentality that I'm doing. And if you ever experienced that. But see, that's kind of the... It's kind of a good thing to fake it till you make it. I've actually learned to embrace the fake it till you make it because a lot of time, a lot of times you'll talk to a professional and they will encourage you to yes, fake it till you make it. You feel like crap, act like you don't. You feel like the worst person ever. Act like you don't. Just I'll put a smile on yeah, and that'll change the, the tone of your day. Yeah. Like you just put yourself in that mood. You put yourself in that mindset. Even if you're not really feeling it, at least that effort and positivity is better than like, I'm not telling you to be not authentic and not yourself, but sometimes you just got to put a little smile on it. Like you just said, just to kind of make the day brighten up. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't want to like super go into this, but no, like, no, no. You're okay if you don't mind me interrupting. Go ahead, go ahead. So I am the worst at telling people at work, 
oh, just smile, smile. You know, like I used to be one of those people that thought the same thing. Like you can muster up enough smile because you're at a job, you know, and if someone's upset, you know, and I finally one day someone's just like, you know what, Michelle? I just can't smile today. Like I can't do it. Yep. Sometimes they don't. You you don't have it. It's yeah. really real. You don't have it. Yeah. And then I realized that I have to figure out a different way instead of telling them to smile. Yeah. Because this isn't an acting job. Even though hospitality is all about acting, it's an acting job. <laughs> it is totally a therapist yeah. job. Yeah. It is acting. Yeah. And man, sometimes it's just like make believe because sometimes the people that are you get asking for the things that they're asking, especially during covid yeah this is the first time in my life i'm gonna say the guest is not always right and i used to live by that i Mm -hmm. used to try to be accommodating to a ridiculous point where you know part of my dignity was gone Mm -hmm. and now i just won't do it i won't i just it's very hard life has changed in the last three years but i also know that i can't tell my staff to smile anymore because it's not really fair you got to figure out a different way of doing it because life is just not that easy sometimes. Well, yes, I 1000% agree with that. And I've heard um, and read a lot of times, especially for women, (laughs) and and I get the opposite all the time, but women are like, don't tell me to smile. And like a guy's like, like, some sometimes guys like trying to hit on them and mm, say, "Hey, this is well. a different story." No, I'm saying they just say smile, and I don't want to smile. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you to smile. That's not my thing, telling people to smile. But um, what I was going to, what I was getting at is, like I said, I didn't want to super bring it up, but I got to bring it up anyway. Just world conflict and things that are going on in other countries and other places. And you and me and Broja talked about first world problems all the time. And things suck. We have um, family members that leave us um, suddenly and early. We have things that happen to our kids. We have things that happen to good friends of ours, things we can't control. But at the same time, we're sitting in a closed, we got a roof over our head. We're not... We not like it's heated. We not like sitting here starving and shivering. We're doing a podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> and sipping on cider and malort. Like, how, on, like I don't know how more perfect it can be. That's what I'm saying. It, it yeah. can be bad. Stuff happens. Stuff sucks. I'm with that. I'm not trying to discount anybody's ailments. You get sick. You know everything else. But at the same time, sometimes you have to look at the good things that you have going on and be thankful for. And that's what helps me a ton. Cause like sometimes I'm sitting at work, like why am I even here? And where could I be other than here? And then I think a good place is on the beach or, or I could be sitting in a gutter somewhere. So you think maybe it's because <laughs> people don't, if you've never experienced being in the gutter, you don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know. You don't have that idea. Absolutely. And I think that's a good and a bad thing at the same time. I mean, I think it's awesome that people have the privilege to not even know what being ass out is like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's awesome. That's great. But at the same time, that makes people not appreciative of the awesome stuff that they have going on. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I, I that's not a pity party at all, but when I was going through the imposter syndrome was also the same time when I hit rock bottom, 
when I was also drinking a lot. And I remember I was dating somebody and I was really drunk and I had said, well, the only reason... It was something about the only reason that I'm not doing this or that is because you're in my life. And I also drove home drunk that night. And it was very clear that I was going to get broken up with the next day because I cannot be saying someone else's life is worth more than my own. Yeah. And um, like for me, by the way, there's, I've had alcohol problems my entire life. I probably am at one of the best points I've ever been in my entire life. I've never, never stopped drinking. Um, I have taken time off of drinking and I don't need to drink. Um, and I remember very clearly during those three years of the imposter syndrome and my mental illness that I said to my therapist, I went there for her. She's an alcoholic therapist, also a couple counselor. And she told me that I needed to stop drinking. And I told her that, I don't, I can't stop drinking. I don't want to stop drinking. I work in the industry where people I'm, I'm in beer. I'm in, you know, all these things. What I need help from you is, is I need to control it. And she's like, okay. And I said, if we can't get to that point, then I need to find a different therapist. Oh, wow. You, you, you dope. Well, and that <laughs> you told, you told her exactly what you, what you but wanted. See, that also could have been yeah, but it also could have been during the time. Like, I know I needed help, yeah. but I didn't know what type of help I needed. But I just knew that I wasn't going to stop drinking. Right. You know, so, you know, that's even more problems. But this is why I want people to understand that, like, in this world, you can go through all these problems and still own your own place. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just need to know how to get help. Yes. You know, you need to know where. Yeah. I mean, I'm, rock bottom's rock bottom. I'm, you got to start growing you. up from there. I'm telling you right now, I'm stealing this episode. It's going to be on my podcast, too. Because this is what I talk about a lot on my podcast. Yeah, let's, just, let's, uh, let's uh, Department 3C. Well, no, it has a new name now. Oh, great. <laughs> but update, update us. Um, update. Firecast. Just, oh, I love it. It's just the name of the podcast now. Um, Firecast, a Department 3C production. Um, I still got to put the Department 3C in there because it's um, my business. So... But Firecast is the new name of the show. And that's what we we talk about all kind of stuff. But mental health is the reason I even started the podcast in the first place. I had a really hard time a few years ago. And one of the biggest things is all too often people don't feel like they can talk to anyone. They just feel like, oh, I got to keep this inside. Oh, I can't say nothing. And that's not the case. There's so many different people and resources and people who actually get paid to listen to you yeah. <laughs> and people who actually went went to school to listen to you so a lot of times we don't even know how to access those resources which i didn't and the best way that you can teach somebody something is to just tell them just say hey this is something that exists yeah starting the conversation which is why i was so excited that Michelle wanted to start this conversation. Uh, I'm looking at my notes from when I was researching, and I'm, I've been on a heavy Usher rotation lately. <laughs> a heavy Usher rotation. Uh, and I, I wrote down, I want the confidence of a 90s R&B artist. I'm with that. Nice. You know what? I was listening to some 90s R&B this morning. I'm obsessed with it right now. It's if, But I bet, big... I bet they also, I bet 90% of them had 
feelings of being an imposter. Absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure if you could sit down and speak with some of those individuals. Yes, absolutely. I think it's known even in the actors and actresses and and, and even the um, you know music industry that that is. It's a stage. It's a... It's a performance, it's a performance, and then they right. walk off the stage, and they're not that person. But right. yet, we all think they are. Right. You know, so I can't even imagine how their brains work. Right. You know, when someone sees you all the time and just remembers that one word or that one phrase from the one movie you did, and you're constantly being told that all the time, and you're like, "I'm not that person." Mm-hmm. That's the man that just passed away, Bob Saget, because mm-hmm. he was like so nice on the show, America's Home, funniest home videos, nice on the show. Next thing you know, he's in half baked talking about S and D for crack. <laughs> right, <laughs> so. and he was in um, the HBO show uh, with the Entourage, and here there he was just I never a constant that show. like horrible comedian that was dropping the f word, the everything. Like he was just raunchy, mm-hmm. yeah. and so some people. I even remember someone asking me, they're like, "Wasn't he kind of like a raunchy, like kind of a jerk anyway?" And I'm like. No, that was the role he played on Entourage. Yeah. That's not his real life. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's like you, like you said, you see an actor, they put on a performance. Unless you like grew up with this person, you don't know <laughs> how that person really, really is. So that's why you know. That's another thing we in these first world countries get caught up in other people's lives. Now that's the people we care about too much is <laughs> people who don't even know we exist. So. I just wonder at what what that graph looks like of power and privilege and where the imposter mess hits with the more power and privilege that you have, or, or maybe separate, the more power um, or the more like inherent privilege that you have uh, and where the imposter will come in at different levels. I'd, I'd be curious to find I'd out. I'd be very curious about that. Um, I think one of the awesome things my mother ever made us do was we came from my mom and dad were married and then uh, my father left our family he was an alcoholic too go figure I got it from him because it is definitely genetic somehow or something like that I'm pretty sure it is though there's something that's got to be at least in the brain waves um and the mental illness definitely came from my dad's side of the family so uh but with that being said you know my father left us when i was like 12 and then he died when i was 18. so my mom's always been a single mom we owned a hotel and a restaurant wisconsin dells and so at the age 13 i was dishing doing dishes uh busing tables serving at 14 bartending at 16. So looking That's back Wisconsin. at That's it's totally Wisconsin, Wisconsin right shit right there. <laughs> hey, when I was 16, I looked like I was 21. I'm hoping the opposite happens now. Now that I'm 47, do I look 35? <laughs> you guys can't see me. I know that. Um, but that's the thing like my mom didn't have any money we ran a restaurant and a hotel and it wasn't working out. And so I had to work for everything we did, you know, but I was able to buy my own car at 16 because I waited tables, mm-hmm. you know, so I feel And there's nothing wrong with growing up with money. Please, I think it's great. If you're able to do it and you have the means and you have a family and you're able to take care of them like that, that's awesome. But I do think that there needs to be some kind of discipline Mm -hmm. and some kind of goal to make you understand that there are certain things that you have to do for yourself. Right. And when I had to pay for my own college and get my first job, for me, it was I worked for everything I've done. Mm Mm-hmm. 
You know, my first job paid me really well. I worked at TGI Fridays in Bedford Park. Nice. You know, and my teacher looked at me and he's like, why aren't you going like with some culinary group or this and that? And I said, because I pay for my own schooling and this place is going to pay me big money. Mm-hmm. And they did. I got bonuses. I got this. I got that. And what did I do? I spent it all. It was so great. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, but the thing is, is like, I feel like also knowing where to get yourself through every year, like every job I ever took after that, it was less money, but it was a startup. Right. So like, I know I'm humble. I hope I'm humble. I think I'm humble. See, I almost had the imposter you thing happen, did right? It. Almost no, did it. I feel like I'm humble. I want to help other people and, and things like that. So like for me, it's, it's the thrill of the game and it's getting to where you want to go. But I just, I think everyone needs to be an experience of some sort to be able to achieve what you need to achieve, but do it with work. You know, whether it's mental work or physical work, you have to get there. I think it's just it's just a good thing. And and I don't have children, so I don't know if I'm just talking now because the Malort is hitting me or not. But I feel like if you give yourself a goal to achieve something that you've done really hard work on, whether it's art, whether it's a business, whether it's, you know, the way you work, as long as you can see that achievement there, then you understand it. But if someone's just giving you something all the time and you don't actually have to work for it, I think it's a little tough to understand how other people go through life. It is. Like you said, how do you know about being in the gutter unless you've been there? And then, I mean, you can look at it enough times and say, ooh, I wouldn't want to be there but unless you're sitting there. So it's the same thing with work. You you can't just <laughs> receive everything and expect to know how to just turn it on when you've never had to turn it on, the, the work ethic. COVID taught me that. If, if nothing else in my life taught me that, COVID taught me that because I remember that week when everyone's like, this is going to get shut down. That was uh, exactly two years ago. Right now. It was right, right now. now. Exactly yeah. two years ago. Yeah, because... I just flew back from D.C. after doing a Calvados women's class at Ancho, and it was it was right now. Right. Are you listening to her? Yeah, exactly. After just I got back from D.C. doing a Calvados class at show. Ancho. Yeah, Badass right there, sister. I'll take it. All right, good. Uh, but yeah, so two years ago. So COVID has taught you. Well, not taught me. What it did to me at that point in time is scare the shit out of me. Because here we just bought a bunch of food. It was mm-hmm. St. Patty's Day weekend. Oh, God. Oh, my God. We were so ready to do St. Patty's. Mm-hmm. It was Saturday. Sunday, I ended up letting go of my chef. So that means I would have to be the chef at the time. Oh, I remember and Monday was the last day restaurants were going to be open and Tuesday they closed the doors. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And Tuesday is our payroll or Wednesday is our payroll day. So the first batch of payroll goes out the door. No money's coming in for the next week. The week after that. PSL. We, we want to pay. We want to do something for our employees. Can because you say what a PSL is? Yeah, it's paid time or paid sick leave. And at the time, um, some people don't have that. I know. I'm sorry. No, it's good. And you know what? We did a lot of things above and beyond. Um, so we made sure that our staff got our, their PSL. And then later on, they ended up amending the law where if you are a Chicago, uh, if, if you work in Chicago as a business, you had so much PSL that you had to pay, you know, your staff. And we did it because of course everybody said it's only going to be a month. Yeah. You know? And so here I'm watching the bank account go down and down yet I still want to take care of my employees they emptied out the entire fridge because this food was going to go bad yeah. so they still came over they 
packaged anything that they could that was perishable and they took it with them. And, you know, a week or two later it goes by and we're like, what are we, what, what are we doing? What's happening? You know, we've still got bills to pay. We still have these things rolling in and there's nothing refurbishing that bank account. So at that time, did you have time to think about being an imposter? No. (laughs) There you go. No, I have to say at that time I was not an imposter. Um, I didn't even once feel that way. Uh, my heart turned to, holy shit, how are we going to take care of all these people? And how are we going to take care of ourselves? And are we going to have to shudder? Yeah. I think that's why I stay so busy. So I don't have time to think about doing anything. <laughs> oh, I'm 100% guilty of it. Yeah. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I'm a workaholic, with you so guys. I don't have to think about it. Because well, being vulnerable is scary. And, and that's something else that I wanted to touch upon um, is, is the vulnerability of admitting this, having the conversation. Um, how did you get to the point where you were able to be vulnerable? Well, I, I have very many different levels of vulnerable, vulnerable, say the word vulnerability. Thank you. Uh, um, I, I feel that a lot. Um, I don't always show it, but I feel it. God, I don't know how to answer this question, I guess, because Sorry. no, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's only because if you don't have vulnerability, I don't think you could be honest with anyone. I think that that's something you have to express because if you don't express that, it's just going to hurt you. Um, I think it's okay to show that because you are human. I like being human. Um, it, I learned this after my three years of being in a, in a messy situation with my own brain. Um, so you just got to shed that curtain and you've got to be able to say it, but you, you also have to know how to do it because vulnerability could look like a weakness to some. Uh, I think you should use it as as a human trait rather than something that is weakness, you know? I, I mean, I, I think you're very strong for being vulnerable on a, a recorded record of, of your feelings. I, I find massive strength in that of, opposed to a vulnerability or I just, weakness. I just don't want anyone feeling, um, I, I don't even know. Like I said, I don't know how to explain this. We are humans. We're going to have all these different feelings. It's okay to express them. Right. If, if you cannot express them, then you're not human. And I also think that if I can tell my story, then hopefully people going through the same instance and the same idea can also feel better about telling theirs or at least going to seek help. Because if you don't go seek help, you're not going to ha- – you're you may hurt yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like you may get to a point where something might happen that you don't even expect to or you don't even want to. You know, like for me to go back to it, I used to drink and drive during that time because I'm like, well, I was by myself. I'd get in the car drunk and well, I would never like if I die, I die. It's right. no big deal. Mm-hmm. Am I going to hurt myself? Am I going to kill myself? No, that is something I knew I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But the thought that in my vehicle, if something happened and it wasn't until one day someone's like, well, how is that accident going to happen and you're not going to hurt somebody, somebody else? Somebody else, yeah. Exactly. Boom. Yeah, exactly. 
I just think that that is a wonderful pearl of wisdom of everything that you said of it's important to realize and be vulnerable or you're going to hurt somebody or someone or someone or yourself hurt yep somebody going to get hurt yeah and not and not in a not in the mom way right you know and you know like and sitting here too like being that imposter syndrome I'm kind of like oh shit people are going to take pity on me I don't want you to take pity on me and that's the big thing too is that I think people have to understand because I'm telling you my story is not because I want you to take pity on me. It's because I want you to get help if you've had the story in your own brain. Yeah, anything that being be, that is being said kind of relates and you say, I kind of feel like that too. Especially, you know, most times in the podcast, you're sitting around listening to it by yourself or in the background while you're working out, washing dishes, cleaning the apartment, whatever you're doing. If you resonate with anything that's being said know that you're not alone and there's ways that you can find somebody like i said there's people who have went to school get paid there's people to do it for free that will listen to you Yes, well, they they're not free, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I understand what you're saying, but uh, it, when you get that $500 bar tab, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going out with you if you got a $500 bar tab. Well, not by myself. <laughs> but the three of us not can do even, a $500 bar tab. Well, not if yeah. I know the bartender. You can knock that down a bit. True that. <laughs> uh, but but I'd, I mean, you're sitting here, we're sitting here in a room of three immensely talented people. Uh, that have these feelings and so I don't think that there's any level of uh, of experience or any level of of where you're at in life um, that you're unjustified for feeling this way and I would really like to um, do some research on some places to get help and reach out and um, some more resources uh, if you would to read more on the subject so stay tuned for that with that Seb do you have Anything else that you'd like to bring up on the show? Um, just that. Again, this is the first episode of. <laughs> ah, we're diving in. No, just just that's that's it's a pretty all. welcome twenty twenty two. You know right. what? I think it's appropriate for twenty twenty two. This is, couldn't be it's, any more perfect. You know right. what? It's, it's kind of like a reset button on the world. I mean, we have, like I said, we all have mental trauma from the past two years in some way or another. Uh, like even thinking of my little kids, my daughter, she hasn't been to school without a mask ever. She doesn't even know what that's wow. like to go to school without a mask. So um, when that changes, it'll be a whole new world. They were on virtual school, not it back to regular school. School got shut down in between everything else. So, like I said, it's kind of like a reset button for a lot of things, um, just the entire global climate. And not saying that we wanted that to happen or it should have happened, but it did, in fact, happen. Everybody got screwed. So, Just a thought on your other podcast. You should probably interview your children. Oh, I did that before. I'm going to interview them again. Yeah, That's one of my favorite freaking, episodes. And then go to a year later and see how they think about the same questions. Just make sure the questions are the, the right questions and then ask them the same year a year later. Because I agree with you. I am very interested to see how it has changed the world for anyone that is between the ages of first grade till fresh or senior high school almost because they didn't, they got stripped of a lot of things yeah. that we normally have had in our past lives but yet some of them are actually thriving 
yeah. off of being virtual because of the different mental health issues that all these kids are having, whether it's anxiety or, you know, there's so many, I don't know, but sensory. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I like virtual to an extent because it was almost like I got to go to open house every day without having to be there. I could like hear what the teachers were saying, hear what the kids were saying, hear how they were interacting, how they were learning. Um, and then my other daughter, my oldest daughter, she um, was valedictorian of her class and didn't even get to graduate. Had to give a, a speech. They made her pre-record the speech. And then they edited it, and so that wasn't oh, no. that wasn't that wasn't cool. Um, it it just was whack. So like everybody got screwed in one way or another. Well, congratulations to your daughter. Yes, absolutely. Valedictorian, that's huge. Yep, we were we she are going proud to college. Um, she's in college. She's going back to college because COVID messed her up again. <laughs> so. It's it's a on our next episode. It's a it's a it's a mess. It's a huge mess. But you know, like we were telling her, everybody. It's not just you. Everybody got screwed. So I don't know if that's a consolation or <laughs> what it is. The whole world is in chaos. Yep. The whole and world. Speaking of chaos, oh, that's just ah! how we started. Ah! Bam! Well done. Thank Where you. can we find Eris? You can find Eris at. 4240 West Irving Park Road, Chicago, Illinois, 60641 in the old Irving Park District. It's a beautiful building. You did such a great job. Old Masonic Temple turned into a Korean church, then turned into a woman-owned and operated brewery and cider house with a full-service restaurant. That's so dope. So outside of going to that physical location, uh, can you find your products in and around Chicago, anywhere else? Absolutely. We have some canned products of our ciders, which we actually didn't really talk about too much, but that's okay. I don't mind because we had this great conversation about everything else in the world. Mm -hmm. But yes, so we have four brands in cans right now, uh, a blush, a pedestrian dry cider, a blueberry mosaic hopped Van Van Mojo, and a peach Ooh, and bong, which is peach and basil. These are 12-ounce cans, and they're located at like Binnie's and Trader Joe's, and then also so many independent bottle shops. Shout out to the independent bottle shops. Absolutely. So we're very lucky to be able to keep the business going during COVID because we had the cans and the support of our community. So have you are That's going to thing. love Van Van Mojo. You're going to love Van Van Mojo. I can't wait. That was the other sweet thing. People was like getting drunk in the crib, but like by themselves. Like, <laughs> Funny, I did the exact opposite. And now the gas is going up. People be driving less. What, $7 an hour? Uh, 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 a gallon? Seven gal- $7 a gallon? Yeah. So COVID is just working. Got to take those lemons and turn them into lemonade. Who taught us that? Oh, I, I don't Beyonce. know. Beyonce. Uh, oh, my God, Ambrosia, you failed I thought me. you were talking about the origin of Women the phrase. Women rule the world. <laughs> oh, no, I was Beyonce, just, if you're listening. I was just talking about. Sliding into my DMs. Queen B. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Michelle, for coming out and starting this conversation um, and letting us taste this amazing cider. I'm so excited i i just love everything about eris not only just the building but the playfulness and the not taking yourself so serious and like you put glitter in your fucking cider and it was delicious 
it was gorgeous oh but my I, god i love it it was so much fun because oh. i'm around so many amazing people that make ciders that are traditional ciders that you know reflect the apple and all of this fun stuff and one day we were just talking about what Eris is and we were like, well, our birthday is coming up. So we wanted to do the cider called Punks, which is the reason why we use Punks is because our birthday's on Groundhog's Day. So it's a Punksville. Punks. Punksatani feel. Punksatani feel. Correct. Mm. And so we use the word Punks and you could take the word Punks and flip it upside down. So our bottle that we made for this, we had glitter in it. So you would purposely flip the bottle upside down. The name didn't change. Flip it back up so the glitter goes into the bottle and then you poured it out and you had all the sparkling glitter and it was pineapple upside down cake. Pineapple, cherry, and vanilla. If you're into exploring... I thought I was like a good marketer. That is like marketing genius. Like, Thank you. <laughs> I, I thought I had some good ideas. Those are phenomenal. I'm, the only thing I can think of is like a Dave Chappelle thing. If you're drinking glitter, do it make you pee-pee twinkle? <laughs> It does not make a pee-pee twinkle. Can confirm. And I was checking to make sure that the poo-poo didn't have it either. And well, that, I did not see any that, of that either. That only happens when you eat diamonds. That would be very sharp going through. Oh. I'm just saying what the man said. Make you, I hear you. Make, I saw that. Yep. Make your poo-poo twinkle. So. Uh, so if you're thinking about getting into cider, you don't know where to start, Ares is a great place to start because there is something for everyone. And no matter what flavor profile you like, even if it's not cider and you try some ciders and you're like, no, no, they've got beer and spirits and beautiful chaos. Guys, thank you so much for allowing me to be on this podcast. I really appreciate both of you. Thank Absolutely. You. So with all that being said, with this extra super duper dope long podcast let us know if there's anything else that you would like to hear from us anything that you think because we love 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 feedback so what libation should we dive into next comment ask questions anything at all and you can reach us at designated drinkers podcast at gmail.com we're on Instagram at Designated Drinkers Podcast. We're on Twitter at Drinkers Podcast. And we are on Facebook. Yeah, because of me. Well done. <laughs> oh, we're also on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. That finally happened. Yes. Hey, Apple. I forgot all Thanks about that. Thanks for finally letting us in. We're on Apple Podcasts now, so you don't have to just SoundCloud us or however else you were finding us. So, we, so when the, are you guys doing the TikTok? I have a TikTok problem. I can't. I'm not a lot. I I have a complicated relationship with TikTok. I I'm hoping TikTok goes the way of Snapchat. It won't. <laughs> and it, it won't be a Vine. It won't be a Snapchat. It's here to stay. Well, Snapchat still still around too. Um. I mean, I'm 47. And I use Snapchat. So hey. I, uh, yeah, I have a complicated relationship with TikTok. That's you, Seth. It's hard enough for me to keep up with three podcasts, <laughs> a job, three kids. <laughs> Four jobs. Like how many businesses? <laughs> Two businesses and a nonprofit. Oh my goodness! So. And as we talked about imposter syndrome, that apparently is not happening anymore in this country. <laughs>